You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Ready to go. Good morning. I'm super excited to be able to launch our summer mix series. I think it's going to be a great summer. Um, we, I'm excited about some of the guest speakers we have lined up. Won't tell you who any of them are, so it can be a surprise. Every Sunday is going to be something a little different. Um, a couple of years, a couple of summers, we've done summer in Psalms. So some of us this summer are actually going to talk about one of the Psalms in our summer mix series, which, um, because I have a slight obsession with the book of Psalms, that was my choice today was to do a Psalm. Uh, we are going to be looking at Psalm 40. But before we get into that, I was thinking about, um, well, the theme of Psalm 40, if I could just sum it up in one word, it's the word wait. And I was thinking about waiting, and I was thinking about how much most of us don't like to wait. And then I got thinking about traffic. So um, every country in the world seems to have its unwritten driving rules. Not the rules that are in the book, but the rules that when you've driven in a place, in a city for a while, in a country, you realize there's things and habits and that people have that aren't written, but you better learn them fast. So when we arrived in Toronto, we learned really quickly that when you're the first guy at the green light or you're trying to make a left-hand turn or you're coming out of Tim Hortons and it's time to merge into the traffic, if you don't move as fast as the guy behind you wants you to move, he's going to... Well, some people give the courtesy beep. You know, they just tap the horn a little bit and then there's the drivers who lay on the horn if you just don't move as fast as they want you to move. And um, because who wants to wait? Nobody wants to wait. Now, after driving in Toronto for a while, I realized, yeah, I don't want to wait either. And every ounce of me um, really would like to not just do the courtesy beat, but the full on lay your hand on the horn. Now, you have to understand that 14 years before that, we lived and drove in the city of Nashville. And driving in Nashville is a little different. Because if you have something important to do while you're sitting at a red light, you are going to do it. Take this lady right here. She needed to finish putting her mascara on. She's talking on the phone and she has that cup of coffee. Now, sorry women, blonde women from Nashville, but I've seen more than one of these in my lifetime. And uh, men, they have their own thing to do. Maybe it's dialing the phone. Uh, you know, maybe it's texting, even though texting is against the law. Um, but the difference in Nashville is, well, if the person in front of you isn't taken off as fast as what you thought they were, you would never, never put your hand on the horn. You just wait patiently. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people in Tennessee who are impatient in other areas, like nobody has any, you know, qualms against butting in front of you in a lineup somewhere. But as I said, the traffic rules might be different everywhere we live. Well, um, one more little thing on that is Bert and I used to, um, the first probably six or eight months living in Toronto, if one of us was out driving, we'd, you know, come back to our condo and and say, so, how many times did you get honked at today? <laughs> because we just were more of those Nashville drivers. I wasn't putting my mascara on, but I wasn't quick on the draw to get out 
into that traffic. Well, most of us don't like to wait in the grocery store lineup. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll look at the person who's beside me and if they get farther ahead in the line or the gas station, I'll go, ooh, that red car and I, we pulled in at the same lot time. Did, did I choose the right lane? And, you know, my heart starts to thump if they get two or three cars in front of me. Um, I was thinking about small children, you know, the temper tantrum. So um, small children will often have a little temper tantrum if you tell them no. But they also have a little fit if you tell them they have to wait for something. Because something inside of us doesn't like to wait. And the psalm we're going to look at today doesn't address those little things, waiting in the Starbucks lineup or waiting for your Tim Hortons or um, the child's temper tantrum. But it addresses the big idea that there are many times in life that we are called, that our situation demands, that life as it unfolds puts us in a place where we have to wait. So we're going to read together not all of Psalm 40, but a fair amount of it. So follow along with me. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not, go, who does not turn to the proud, to those who... Go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them. Yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the good news, the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will preserve me. As for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Well, I think that I fell in love with the book of Psalms in 1984, the summer of 1984. I was going through quite a tough time in my life. I was asking the Lord to move and deliver me. I um, was in quite a dark season of depression. I was on some medication. I was getting some professional help. But I was also diving into the book of Psalms. And I had a really good friend say, um, makes sense now, but this, this friend had done the math, that if you read five Psalms a day every month, you can read through the book of Psalms. 150 Psalms divided by five equals 30. And so he told me, my friend said, what he did was he read Psalm day one, one uh, Psalm 131, 61, 91, 121, day two, Psalm 2, 62, 32. You get the point. Oopsie, 32, 62. And so that summer in 1984, I was doing all the other things. I was crying out to the Lord, and I was also going through the book of Psalms every month for quite a number of months. And I was letting the Word of God do what the Word of God does, and that is 
get deep into my heart, get deep into the the painful, broken places. You know, we've talked about Psalms so many times and how every human emotion seems to be displayed there and spoken to, whether whether it's sorrow and depression and sadness, whether it's anger and fear, whether it's gladness and hope. The Psalms encompass all of those things and help us to feel them and to resolve them in God. So I spent that summer in Psalms. I let the word go into my heart. And it was part of my moving forward in healing and deliverance in the Lord. And that summer, this brings me to Psalm 40. That summer, Psalm 40 became one of my favorites. And to this day, it's a psalm that I go to when life seems to not be moving at the pace I wish it was. When life's circumstances set me in a place where I'm waiting. I have to wait and see what the Lord's going to do and wait on his help and his deliverance. So Psalm 40, the first sentence says, I waited. And so we're going to look at waiting today. We're going to look at it under these four points. Sit tight, sinking sand, song to sing, and strength for others. See all my S's. That was in honor of Pastor Richard, who's still on vacation today. I worked really hard to find four words and four letters, and so hopefully they make sense with the message. I didn't just force this to work. So sit tight, sinking sand, song to sing, and strength for others. Sit tight. Um, we translate we, I didn't do the translating. It, it's translated into English, that first verse. I waited patiently. Almost every translation says the same thing. I waited patiently. If you went into the Hebrew, it actually says things like this. I waited and waited. I waited waitingly. In waiting, I waited. I continued to wait. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Hebrew, but this is one thing I have learned over the years, is one of the ways that in the Hebrew language um, things are emphasized is by repeating the word. Um, it means you're not just waiting. We say waiting patiently. No, you're waiting and waiting, and maybe you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and maybe you're waiting waitingly, and you're continuing to wait. And that really is the thesis, the opening statement that all of this psalm is built on. That there are times when I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for something to change, for something to be different, to see God do something and move in my life. I waited and waited. I like the word waitingly. I don't think it's a real word. It gets a red underline in word, but it's a good one. I waited waitingly. We have done a lot of waiting. In the last 15 months, we've done a lot of waiting. We've waited in lineups to get into stores. We've waited for our groceries to be delivered. We've waited for something that we needed to come from Amazon. We've waited for things to reopen. And to, we've waited for the freedom to regather. We've waited maybe for a situation in our job to change. Our kids, whether they're in JK or university, have waited for school to go back to normal. We have waited. So I know there's some people in our church because everything's delayed. They've been waiting on work permits or permanent residency status. We've waited to travel and see family. We've waited for vaccines. We've waited for hair appointments. 
We've waited to see loved ones. And in this year of waiting, lots of us would be able to say that over these 15 months, in, in this place of uncertainty, we've, we've glimpsed some things in our own heart and our own life. Maybe it's, um, I, I know in the very beginning, in March and April of 2020, I realized how well I didn't do without being able to have control of things in my life. Um, I, some people were afraid, but I'm always afraid. It's just my personality. So the pandemic didn't scare me. I am always afraid of things. I'm afraid of things that will probably never happen because that's who I am. But there were things in me, my lack of ability to control and figure out and plan for the future. God was showing me things about my trust in him. Um, Maybe uh, there's been times, I'm sure every one of us has been angry with a situation. Maybe, maybe sometimes you feel angry when, uh, at, at people who are, are handling the, the pandemic differently than you are. Maybe you're, you, maybe you're angry with people who think it's a conspiracy. Maybe you're angry with people who don't want a vaccine or don't want to wear a mask. And boy, it's bringing up stuff on the inside of us, this season of waiting with so much uncertainty. Maybe it's not pandemic related. Maybe sometimes you're called to wait for some big things to change. Maybe a family situation that you're praying for wholeness and restoration. Maybe it's a physical health situation you've been dealing with and, and you've done the medical things and you're also asking the Lord to to change some things, to heal some things. Maybe it's your mental or your emotional health right now where you're feeling that depression or anxiety or um, panic. And, and we're waiting for the Lord to move. Maybe it's a loved one who doesn't know Jesus and you've prayed a long time. Maybe it's years and maybe it's months. We're waiting for things to change, all of us, whether it's the situational because of the pandemic or maybe it's more long-term things. Um, I saw last week, I think, somebody in our church, beautiful Facebook post, a couple in our church who are pregnant with their first child. And it was, I don't know them well, but it was obvious by her post this was something they've been waiting for for a long time. So what else do we wait for? Well, um, verse 12 says this, evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see them. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. You know, evils that encompass me, talk about maybe evils that are surrounding you, that are around you and me, maybe the situations at work or home or family, persecution, um, iniquities. Those, that's the stuff on the inside of me. And sometimes when, when there's things surrounding you and when there's things coming up on the inside of you, it feels like it's overtaken you. And the beautiful poetic language here says, I can't see, and they're more than the numbers, the hair on my head. Okay, I know I sin and I know there's things I struggle with, but they're really, they're not more than the numbers of the hair on my head. I have a fair amount of hair. And yet, it feels sometimes like those things in life, my heart is failing me because they just seem so numerous. So maybe it's the troubles and the testing and the trials in life that you're waiting, God, will I ever be free from this evil or this sin that grips me? Maybe it's a battle you fought a long time. One of my other favorite Psalms, his Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And I memorized it that same summer of 1984. So I know it in the New American Standard. I would have despaired 
unless I had believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I like to repeat that one three or four or ten times. I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then the psalmist goes on, wait for the Lord. There's our word. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So what's our thesis here? Our thesis is there there is a time, there are times, there are many times in life where I wait and waited. I've waited waitingly. I still sometimes am waiting and waiting, and I continue to wait. Which brings me to sinking sand. And I think this sinking sand or this um, miry clay, this bog, I think this is such great imagery Do you ever feel like you're sinking, like you're losing your grip, like you need someone to come along and pull you out? Isn't that the image of sinking sand? Here's what it says in the Good News translation. He, he, God, pulled me out of a dangerous pit, out of the deadly quicksand. And not only did he pull me out, listen to this, he set me safely on a rock and made me secure. Well, Everything I know about sinking sand, I learned from cartoons. Oh, yeah. And here's some of the biggest lessons I've learned from sinking sand. Okay, I love this graphic. It's just missing one thing. Because if you grew up watching as many cartoons as I did, there was always a sign that said danger quicksand or danger sinking sand. This poor guy, he had no... uh, He had no warning. He was just sinking. So what have I learned about sinking sand? It comes upon you and you're walking along and all of a sudden you're sinking. You, um, you can't get out by yourself. Somebody bigger and stronger in every cartoon had to come along and pull you out. And isn't that the picture of life for us walking with the God, with God? Verse 13 says this, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, make haste to help me, make haste. I like that. We don't ever say that anywhere other than in the Bible. Make haste to come and do the dishes, kids. You know, we never say that. We say, hurry up. But the Bible, that make haste, it just does something for me. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me come really fast. I only use that with God. Make haste. Um, So visualize for a minute the contrast painted in this psalm. We're in a pit of destruction. We're in the miry clay. We cannot get out on our own. We're in quicksand, sinking sand. And along comes God. And it says he inclines his ear to us, or he hears me. He um, he leans into me. He bends his ear towards me. He actually hears. I'm crying out from this place where I feel like I'm sinking. I can't get out. I need a hand here, God. And the scripture says that he hears our cry. Now, sometimes he doesn't hear my cry as fast as I'd like him to. But this psalm reminds me, and other psalms, that when I cry out to the Lord, he doesn't turn a deaf ear to me. He hears me. In fact, he leans in. He leans in to hear me call, and he reaches down and he pulls me out. And he doesn't just pull me out. 
And picture this from the, the that quagmire, that my feet are now placed securely on a rock. He puts me on a solid place. He takes me out of that sinking place and he puts me, he lifts me and he puts me securely on a solid place. He turns himself favorably to, to, toward me. Which brings me to a song to sing. Okay, I will not sing in front of you. I do sing in the shower. I do sing in my home. I will not sing in a public place. But I think this is broader than singing. I think in this psalm, it's, there's the de declaration the declaration with our mouth of this was the situation I was in. This is the Lord who hears me. This is the one who pulls me out and brings me security. A song to sing, verse 3 said, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Verse 9 said, I have told the glad news of deliverance. Verse 10 said, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. This is our story to tell. We live in a broken world, and many times we feel like I'm waiting to see something change in my life. I can't make it happen. I can't get out of the situation. Lord, I'm doing everything within myself to cry out to you, to follow you, to obey you, and I need the intervention of God to pull me out of that place and to set me once again in a secure place. And what comes out of that is a heart of worship, a song to sing. It's what we, what we declare to one another. It's, it's actually even, which we're going to get to in point four, it's even how we strengthen one another. You know, when somebody says to me, oh, bad man, your situation is bad, and yeah, God can get you out of it, but they've never walked anywhere near a, maybe one situation or another of something you're facing. You know, when somebody can say, I've been in a difficult situation. This is what life looked like for me. This is how God intervened more than once. Because I told you my 1984 story of God really lifting me out of a place of, dis of despair and, and uh, what's that word? Depression. But you know, that's not the only time in life where I've seen God intervene. Maybe it's been in health things. We've, we've faced health problems, especially with our oldest child when he was little. And we faced other things in life where you think, God, we've prayed and, and I'm not seeing you. I, are you hearing me here right now? And yet this Psalm and many others remind us, we wait, we, we call out to the Lord. He inclines to us. What happens then? When you know that you were delivered by God, that he's helped you, that he's strengthened you in a way that you couldn't do for yourself, out of your mouth comes worship. Yes, song and singing to the Lord, but also declaring to one another the greatness and the goodness of God and his hand in our lives. It's our testimony. It's our story. It's our tale to tell. Which brings me to strength for others. So... um. We started out just, you know, waiting, and, and then we realized that God's going to deliver us, and, 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 and we tell our story. And, and, and what does this psalm say? It says, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. They'll put their trust in the Lord. Because isn't my heart's desire is to be able to strengthen others with the strength, with the hope, with the faith, with the courage that God puts in me by experiencing his love, hope, deliverance that we hear over and over about as we dive into many places in the scriptures, but especially in the book of Psalms. 
I want my life to be one that many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. Many will be strengthened by him. So why is Psalm 40 a favorite for me as we conclude? Because it challenges me to call out to the Lord and to wait patiently, to wait waitingly, because it comforts me that my Father in heaven hears me. Because I have waited, and there's still some things that I continue to wait for. Because God has pulled me out, and I know there's going to be times again in my life, and there still are, where I need his intervention in my life. Because my worship is different when this is my experience of God. My worship is different. The story I tell, what I can declare and tell and talk to other people about. And because there's substance in my words when I've experienced the goodness and the delivering hand of God in waiting to see him move. This is our story to tell. Not that we're never in the miry clay, because that's not the reality of life, but that there's hope in every circumstance, whether it's stuff inside us or stuff outside of us, that there's hope in every circumstance. Well, if the thesis, if the opening statement of this psalm is about waiting patiently for the Lord, then the conclusion is verse 17. As for me and for you, we're poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me and of you. You are my help and my deliverer. And then our, our prayer, our cry is, oh, Lord, do not delay. Well, as we close today, um, it's Communion Sunday. You've heard that about three times now. Um, and in a couple of minutes, we're going to take communion together. And then I asked Jacob to do a song that we used to do a fair amount pre-pandemic, and it's the it's the Elevation Worship song, uh, Do It Again. And, and the one line that just, I mean, many parts of this to reflect on when we worship today, but the one line that just came to me when I thought, oh, I need to ask Jacob to do this song, is waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.